This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day. And for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry, with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 193 and also the second episode of the 2018 season. Joining me again today, of course, I'm Chad Dotson. I'm here with you every week. And joining me again this week is our buddy from RedsMinorLeagues.com and from Red Leg Nation, Doug Gray. How are you today, Doug? I'm doing pretty good. This is the, realistically, this is the last day without official Reds baseball until sometime in November. So I'm feeling pretty good about today. Outstanding. I like that you say it's the last day without official Reds baseball until uh until November, because you're presuming they're going to make it to the World Series. Uh, I guess I'm glad you I'm glad you picked up on that because that's what I was throwing down. <laughs> Excellent. So you heard it here first. Doug Gray predicts the Cincinnati Reds to make the 2018 World Series. Um, I feel like I ought to mention before we get in. There's a couple things before we really get into the nitty gritty. I want to talk, talk. I want to lead off with talking about how we look, think the roster might shape up on opening day, and it's premature because the baseball is just uh, getting to the spring training stage and. But first, I gotta say, first of all, this is um, only a few people understand what this means. Doug, I gotta point out, this is Phil's favorite podcast. <laughs> oh, good old Phil! All right, well, <laughs> now he can't yell at us on Twitter, so I think oh, we're good to go. Yeah, he will. Um, so we're going to talk about the Reds' uh, opening day roster, or just some some thoughts about how it may shape up. And the first question I have is, why isn't you Darvish on that roster? And how close were the Reds to signing you Darvish, who evidently signed with the Chicago Cubs? Any thoughts on that, Doug? Uh, well, I mean, I, I said it on Twitter, and I, I feel that the Reds made a solid offer with their Skyline coupons and two years at $8 million, but that, that just wasn't quite enough to match up with possibly six years and $150 million from the Cubs. So, Skyline's, I mean, I, I, Skyline's so good, though. It really is, but, uh, I mean, in the offseason, if he's not living here, he's missing out on, like, five months of Skyline. I guess. So, I mean... You know, if they had just offered to build him a Skyline franchise in his hometown, I think they could have sealed the deal. <laughs> Excellent. Um, now, obviously, the Reds were not uh, players in Darvish. We don't think there's no rumor of that. But um, and and I don't know that you Darvish is a good fit for this team anyway. But doesn't it continue to frustrate you as it does me? I know it shouldn't frustrate me because I know we're, where we are in the the rebuild cycle. But doesn't it frustrate you that the Reds aren't players on on guys that could really maybe improve the team? Yes and no. I I can understand where they're coming from in a lot of aspects, but I also sit here and look at the roster that we're about to talk about, and, and I see spots that they could fill without going out and spending, say, $100-plus million on a contract to bring in somebody. So it just it just really depends on how you want to look at it, Chad. I, I think that, you know, as you said, I'm not sure you Darvish is the kind of guy that fits exactly what the Reds need. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that they could definitely improve their starting pitching from where they're at right now. But at the same time, you know they've got a lot of options there too. Well, yeah, I mean, but I think that if you Darvish is on this team on opening day, it's a better, it's a better roster, it's a better uh, rotation. But yeah, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not upset about the Reds not signing you Darvish, except that it's just sort of similar to the when the, when the Brewers went out and, and traded for Christian Yelich uh, from the Marlins. It's just like, oh, you know, is everybody in the National League Central going to really uh, be pushing for it this year? Except for our team, seems like uh, the Reds and uh, and, and you, as you mentioned uh, before we started the podcast, the Reds and the Pirates uh, sort of standing around watching as other teams are actively trying to get better for the 2018 season. And I know, I know rationally where we are in this cycle, as I said, and that you know, and I know we've got pitchers we need to see, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know. I, I want to see the Reds making uh, public moves to get better. I guess if that makes any sense. It, it makes tons of sense, and I, I think that you want to look at it in two different ways. The fan in you obviously wants to win as many games as possible every year. Exactly. Now, the rational side of you understands that given the market limitations of being in Cincinnati and what that means as far as payroll goes, 
it's very tough to do that every year without going through a rebuild situation and then hoping for the best moving forward once you get done with that initial rebuild. Yeah, if you're trying to be objective and trying to analyze it and can put your fan side uh, to the side, then yeah, you can see that, you know. And and we're going to talk a little bit about the the minor leagues and and what's maybe coming up the next few years. That's a good reason for the rest to be patient because maybe they'll have a more sustainable run um, than if we just went out and uh, you know tried to sign every free agent we could or trade for every uh, person we could to fill out the holes right now. So, but, but again, we're going to get there in just a moment. Let's begin with this uh, opening day roster. Spring training is upon us, and there are, are you know a lot of questions that are going to be asked and answered during spring training, but I think we can. Uh, it's not too early to start looking at what might be the 25-man roster on opening day. Um, I think we probably agree in terms of the positions. Uh, the starters are going to be uh, just going around the diamond. Uh, Tucker Barnhart at catcher. Um, Scott Hedeberg at first base. Who's at first base? Uh, ooh, that's a tough one. Did, did, did they bring back Javier Valentin to play oh, first base I think this they year? Did, yes. So Javier okay, Valentin, yeah. JV, Javier Valentin at first base. Uh, second base, opening day, uh, Scooter Jeanette, I'm guessing. Um, that's not who I would like to see. That, that, that would be my guess. Yeah. Uh, third base, Eugenio Suarez. Do you remember Eugenio Suarez? He had a good year last year. I, I do remember him. I, I really liked what I saw last year. Big big steps forward. Big steps forward. Not enough for him to win his arbitration hearing against the Reds. Uh, so he's only making, <laughs> what, $3.75 million this year instead of, what do you ask for, 4.2, something like that? Um, I, I think so, yes. Yeah. Jose Peraza at shortstop, I think we agree, opening day. I, is there another option? I mean, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we can get into that one in a little bit, but I'm not sure that there's another option. So, yes, Jose Peraza at shortstop. Um, outfield opening day, here's what I th- here's what I say. Uh, well, let's just go and say the four guys. Well, there are four guys that, uh, barring a trade, are, are going to be in the mix for outfield opening day, and that's Jesse Winker, Scott Shebler, Adam Duvall, and uh, the GOAT, Billy Hamilton. All those guys are opening day roster if, if there's not a trade, right? Yeah, I, I, I think that it's just figuring out which three are going to start on any given day. That's that's going to be the bigger question. Um, yeah, so to we'll, me, we'll, we'll see how it works out. <laughs> the, now, the, the the question should be which two of the remaining three after Winker are going to be starting. To me, Winker's got to be in that lineup, and this is a drum that I know that we're going to beat every single day uh, at Red Leg Nation and uh, on Twitter and here on the podcast. Jesse Winker needs 550 at-bats this year. If he's healthy, agree or disagree? Uh, you're not going to get an argument from me on that one. What can I get an argument from you on? Uh, he it. who shall not be named. <laughs> Doug is under strict orders not to mention a certain uh, number fourteen uh, from Red's history. Um, although we're going to have a knockdown drag out one hour podcast just on that guy someday, Doug. It's going to be the it's going to be fantastic. I, I cannot wait. I, I I really people don't understand how much I cannot wait for that to happen. We're going to do it, and then we'll post it on both our podcasts. Because What's the name of your podcast, Doug? Uh, the Unnamed Reds podcast, no, actually. No, really. What's the name of it? <laughs> oh, I, I'm not going down this road. <laughs> I've, I've, only got, I've only got six more hours left in this day. so. Well, we're going to spend about five and a half of it talking about the Reds here. All um, right. Or maybe slightly less than that. Okay, so that's, that's your starting eight, you know, eight, nine players there in total. But that's your starting eight. Um I think we're probably comfortable with all those, um, especially Javier Valentin. Um, but what about you know who, who's going to who else is going to make the roster? I guess who are the other guys that are going to make that opening day roster? Uh, David Mazzarocco is going to make it, assuming he's healthy. Yeah, I, there, there's no way they're going to let him go with just I mean one year left on his contract. I mean he played he played decent enough last year when he was healthy, and then of course unfortunately he got hurt again. He took a ball off of his foot, and I mean, it just it, it wiped out another large chunk of playing time for Devin Mezzarocco. So don't you feel bad for that guy? I mean, he's just snake bit. <laughs> I, I do, and it, it 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 sucked. It's one of those things where we're gonna look back and be like, what if? What if he didn't yes. get hurt? I mean, he went from an all star to a guy who's played sixty games in three years since then. I mean, it's just. It, it, it has it has not been fun to watch. It really hasn't. It really hasn't because as much fun as that 2014 season was when he was a uh, when he was an all star, and just at the time you're thinking, oh my gosh, the Reds finally have a catcher, you know, a, a, a hard hitting catcher. 
um, and then just to get nothing out of him. And to him, it's got to feel like uh, just nothing he does is, uh, you know, it's not like he's trying to get hurt. And it's not like he has the same injury. He's had several different injuries. He just keeps getting hurt over and over and over. Got to be kind of like Groundhog Day, don't you think, uh, there, Doug? I, you know, <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, oh. For those who don't know, Devin Mesoraco is from Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, where they, they have that whole groundhog thing there. Um, but, no, it's I'm sure that he's more frustrated by this than anybody else. I mean, he I'm sure he wants to be on the field more than anybody actually wants to see him on the field. Um, but, yeah, it, it has to just be frustrating and, and infuriating for him that he, he just had to go through injury after injury after injury and all the, the time and rehab that he's put in to basically, I mean, to this point, get next to nothing out of it. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna cross our fingers. We're gonna presume he's on the opening day roster. And although I'm never gonna bet the ranch on Mesoraco being healthy enough, but if he's healthy, he's there. Um, and if I'm a little, I'm sorry about that Punxsutawney stuff, Doug. I know I know it upsets you uh, when I digress too much. Uh, no, that is that's <laughs> fine. I enjoy it. I'm a little punchy today. I'm mean, just uh, to digress uh, because I just just got back. I've spent the last uh, couple of days in Charlottesville, Virginia, where. I went up to to watch ESPN's college game day and get excited because the Reds went. Reds, see, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, hey, at least your mind's on the right thing. <laughs> that's right. A UVA win. Devin Mesoraco actually committed to the University of Virginia before he, when before the Reds drafted him uh, in the first round. Um, you know, University of Virginia just needed that one win to get moved up to number one in the rankings for the first time since 1982. Um, and uh, but you know, whatever, they lost. Yeah, and, and, and they didn't even pick you to make the half-court shot for $18,000. Oh that guy did make it. His mom was there excited getting that tuition paid for a year. Um, oh, I bet. I, I, I saw it. It was, it, was, it was nice. Did you see me? I was there. I, I did not see you. I did see the picture you posted, though, uh, of being it, there. Proof that I was there. Or at least proof that you got somebody else to send you a photo of the shh, court. Shh. Okay. okay. Um, no, I was there, and then I was there when they lost to their most bitter rival to keep them from going. The most Virginia thing ever. Anyway, we're not talking about Virginia, Doug. Quit getting us off topic. I'm sorry, guys. I, I can't help it. I can't help it. Now, in terms of bench spots, what we've named here are basically Shepard Duvall, Winker Hamilton, one of those guys, and Devin Mesoraco. Um Dilson Herrera, I guess, in terms uh, of position I, players, another, another bench spot. I would think so. He he's out of options, and I mean, assuming that he is healthy, which I, I he's expected to be healthy now. Again, he's another one of those yeah, guys that you exactly. never know. Snake bit. Um, but but it, when it healthy, he, that, he's legit. He's a hitter. Yeah, and, and they, they seem to have finally figured out what was going on in his shoulder, and they they operated on it, and hopefully that fixes whatever it was. Um, and but out of know, options, that, right? Yeah, he's out of options, and as you said, when he's been healthy, he's always hit. And even the past couple of years when he hasn't been healthy, he's hit. I mean, if you look back at this past season, his overall numbers don't look good. But after you know the calendar flipped to May, he hit pretty well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, given what they gave up in, you know, to acquire him, I'd be very shocked if they decided that he didn't at least earn a two-month trial on the bench in the big leagues. Uh, it, it would have to take a very, very poor spring training it wasn't somehow injury related for him to not make the roster, in my opinion. Yeah, and even if he has a bad uh, spring training numbers wise, I think they, you know, they're going to do everything they can to give him a shot because, as you said, they traded uh, our old buddy Jay Bruce for him, the affable Jay Bruce. Um, and Herrera's a legit player. The, the question for me has been with that shoulder: is he going to be able to play defense? I mean, he can't play anywhere but second, um, as far as I can tell, on the infield. Uh, well, maybe first, I presume. Reds already have a first baseman. Yeah, well, I, last spring is actually one of the his shoulder kind of popped up when they tried to play him at third base to see if he could play there. Um, and so, I mean, it, at the very least, it, it seems the Reds have been open to trying him elsewhere. Although, I mean, when you're going to be a utility guy rather than a starter, you know, you kind of give up a little bit of defense for the bat or in the, on the flip side, you'll give yeah. up some bat for the defense. So, I mean, maybe they'll try him again there now that they feel that they've got the shoulder figured out and you know, maybe he can back up third base and second base. And if he can back up both those, uh, you know, that's a guy that you could have on the roster. You know, if he hits as expected, because yes, because he can hit. Um, so I expect him to be on the opening day roster. Um, and what is he? He's still just like twenty three, right? I mean, he's young. Yeah, he'll 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 be twenty four years old next year. So he he's definitely got time on his side. Unfortunately, he may not have opportunity on his side so much. Right. Now, there's, I guess there's at least one more 
bench spot uh, for position players, I would think. And uh, the guys I guess I can think of off the top of my head that might be in from the mix of that, obviously Patrick Kivilhan, who was on the bench all last year. Um, Philip Urban, who finished the season with the Reds. Maybe Alex Blandino. Anybody else that's in that mix? I mean, they they brought in Phil Gosselin on a minor league contract, and wait, whoa, 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 to... hold, on, hold on, stop, stop. Phil Gosselin, where did he go to college? I'm not saying it, Chad. The I'm not University of Virginia Cavaliers. Thank you, Doug, for mentioning that. Oh, All right, you can continue. Now, I, and <laughs> yeah, they, it seems that they've mentioned that, or well, it may have to be beat, him. The beat writers all have mentioned that he is the backup shortstop at this point, right. which to me is mind-boggling because he's not a shortstop. But I, I mean, mean they, he can do it all. <sighs> just because they'll let you play there doesn't mean you can actually play there. I, I that that that's the one thing that boggles my mind right now when looking at the roster is that I mean I I really truly believe that the Reds feel Jose Peraza is the only actual legitimate shortstop on the forty man roster, and I mean even if you count Phil Gosselin and you look back into the minor leagues they don't have anybody at AAA that's a real shortstop either. Can, and then you go you go down to Double A and the guy who started at Double A last year had an OPS under six hundred. They've like got Peraza. a guy in, they've got a guy in Calton Dahl who. Great defensive shortstop, missed all of last year with a shoulder injury. He's not going to be ready to start this year because of his shoulder injury. So wait, it, if Jose Peraza gets hurt the first week of the season, who's going to who's going to come up and play shortstop every day for the Reds? Okay, I mean, two it, questions it, on it, that point. Let me ask you. Okay, okay. Number one, you got to presume, given his his awesome name, that Jeter Downs will be ready, right? Uh, <laughs> he was drafted I, I last year, what second round? I love the name. I think Jeter Downs could be a quality major leaguer in the future, but no, he's 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 a few years away. Can Blandino, Alex Blandino, back up at shortstop? I, I think that Alex Blandino could back up at shortstop, but I don't think he's a guy you want right. to play every day at shortstop. Agree, but he was a shortstop at what Stanford, right? Yeah, and to be, I mean, he's played shortstop up through the minor leagues. I mean, yeah. he played there last year as well. But uh, I, uh, it's not just me saying it. I, I've not really found too many scouts that think he can play shortstop every day. No, I knew so. that was the consensus, but but we think on a I guess on a, on a backup basis, if he if the Reds would be comfortable comfortable with him playing backup, then maybe Goslin's not. Who's just here on a Goslin's just here on a minor league deal. I mean, yes. he, you know he's not on the roster. Um, Correct. So I don't know, but you're right. What let's say Barraza the day before opening day. Is uh, walking around uh, trying to get to find his near nearest Skyline Chili franchise, and um, steps off a curb and breaks his ankle. Now, and listen, let me just say, I'm not hoping that he does that because I've got a reputation at this point. <laughs> I'm not hoping uh, that Jose Barraza, and you can make fun of me about that later, Doug. I don't mind. Um, but let's say he gets hurt the day before opening day, and that is a real question. The Reds, Suarez probably. You think Eugenio Suarez moving uh, to, over to shortstop? I, mean, I don't. I don't think so, and I'll, I'll tell you why, Chad. If the Reds truly believe that Jose, or, uh, that Eugenio Suarez could play shortstop every day, why on earth would he not be playing shortstop every day right now? I mean, you you can't tell me that sliding him to shortstop wouldn't be an upgrade over Jose Peraza, without even considering that you also wouldn't have to do anything with Nick Senzel and moving him to another position to try and figure out how to get him into the lineup too, like. I know a lot of people want to say that they don't like the Reds front office. They think that the people in the front office are dumb. I don't believe that, but people want to say that. How dumb? That. How dumb would they actually have to be if they believed that Suarez could play shortstop every day and they weren't making this move? Like they would have to be just completely uneducated on how baseball works. If well, you want to, if you want to believe that, and I, I just don't. I mean, there's there's no way that they believe that Suarez could play there every day and not be playing in the mirror every day at this point. Not after the season Peraza just had. Not with Nick Senzel on the horizon. There's just no way. Well, I think there's some some there's something to that. I, I'm like you. I don't believe the Reds front office is that dumb. They're just not. I mean, come on. Um, they must really truly believe that Suarez can't handle it. They did make some rumblings last uh, second half of the season last year that they may get Suarez some starts at shortstop, and it never really materialized. And and I I think that I and see and there's the other thing. I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot about it. Um, I mean, they did. The Brian Price said that, you know, maybe we we're going to get a look at him, and it never happened. And so that okay. makes me think that they probably did try it in, in practice, and they saw something that said this isn't going to work. Well, as an organization whether, whether that they might have. He's, I mean, you know, he, he's definitely bigger now than he was when he was playing shortstop. And at third base, you can be that way. 
it doesn't it doesn't quite work so well at shortstop. So I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I just don't see that being an actual solution on an everyday basis. Now, if they want to go in and say that he's the backup as far as, you know, if Peraza needs a day off or two, then sure, I can accept that. I don't think they're going to put him out there six, seven days a week. The other option I thought of was that they thought, well, you look, I'm, we've got these these four guys. We got Suarez, we got Sinzel, we got Jeanette, we got Peraza, and they made the decision. Well, out of that group, you know, Jeanette's the one guy that's not going to be here in five years. The other guys might be, you know, for the next five years. So maybe let's find a way to get Peraza in the lineup because you know he's and we can bring Sinzel up and put him at second base and uh, move shuffle off uh, Jeanette to the bench. But again, that's that doesn't uh, that, that doesn't argue against your point, which is if Eugenio Suarez can play a passable shortstop, an average shortstop, there's really not a whole lot of reason not to move him back over there, unless he's dead set against doing it personally or something like that. I don't see that out of, out of Suarez. But if he can handle it and be an average defensive shortstop, you move him over with his bat. I mean, he's immediately sort of a top shelf uh, overall shortstop uh, in the National League. So. I don't know that we can draw any other conclusion other than that the organization thinks he can't handle it on a day-to-day basis. And I guess that's reasonable. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I, I think we kind of covered covered that one as well as we could. We spent uh, quite a while on it just to basically say, uh, who knows what's going to really happen. So it could be, could be, could be Phil Goslin for uh, a spot on the, the bench. could be Blandino. I don't see him taking both Irving... Irving, uh, Dr. J. Julius Irving, they won't take him. But Philip Irvin, they won't take Irvin and Patrick Kibblehan. Of course, Kibblehan, I guess, could play a little infield. He did play, didn't he play third base a little bit last year? And he can play first yeah, base. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he can play a little bit of infield and outfield. Yeah. But if if I'm personally, if it's if it's up to me, I, I would go with Phil Irvin just because I just believe that he can back up center field. And if, I mean, one, we've seen what's happened with Billy Hamilton for his entire career. He can't make it through a full season. He gets hurt because of the way he plays. I won't sit here and listen to you criticize Billy Hamilton, Doug. I, I'm I not care. criticizing. Don't, don't I'm, speaking, facts. I'm speaking in facts. Don't throw your facts <laughs> at me. I don't care about him. No, you're right. Can I, can I lob my facts at you? <laughs> you may. Okay. Irvin, I think Irvin, to me, this is just me. What do I know? He's a, uh, a fourth outfielder in the big leagues for his career. But I think he can be a good fourth outfielder. I think he can be a really good fourth outfielder. And uh, he's a guy that I don't mind the Reds having on the bench and – yeah, and playing. Although he'll be the fifth outfielder if the Reds keep the other four, but I think you see what I'm saying. You agree about Irvin, do you, or do you think he could be a starting center fielder in the big leagues? I think there's a chance that Philip Irvin could be a starting center fielder. He's borderline. I, I think that it's it's more it's far more likely that he he works his way into say a, a Chris Heisey type role. Yeah, where he's he's good enough at everything else except for hitting for average. That it kind of keeps him kind of on that fringe role. Yeah, he can get on base a little bit. He can play just enough defense. I mean, you know. Yeah, there's pop. There's some speed there. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's well-rounded outside of being able to hit for batting average. I like the guy. I just, you know, especially with the crunch we've got right now, you put him into the mix. Unless you trade one of those other guys, I don't see how he emerges as a starter with his current group. But we keep waiting for a trade, and that's not happened. So, so I guess that's sort of where we are when it comes to uh, – the hitters. We didn't really name an actual group, but I think those are probably. Are there, is there anyone else that we've forgotten that might be in the mix right now? If you had to make the roster today, the opening day I don't. Roster. I really don't think so. No, um, I don't either. You know, we, we mentioned Nick Senzel, but I there's no way they're going to bring him up. I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of spring he has, just for future ro- or uh, future control purposes. There's just yeah. no way. Again, that, that's where the fan side of me and the you know, analyst side conflicts. If if it's me, Nick Senzel's probably the best second baseman on the roster. In spring training, he's going to his first big league camp this year. Um, he's the guy. I start him on opening day and let him just go to work. But you know, come on, you cannot fault the Reds if they keep him up, keep him down for a couple of months, get that extra year of service time, and uh, bring him up and hand it to him then. But I, I well, let's not talk about when we expect Senzel to come up because that's a topic for later in the podcast, Doug. All right, there's a little foreshadowing there, Doug. You like that? I did, I did. I I really like the little the little tease. Yeah. So see, no one listens in the into the podcast, but this time, Nick Senzel's mom may listen all the way to the end just to hear what's going to happen to him. So, yeah, I hope so. I really hope so. I'm a pro broadcaster. All right, <laughs> let's talk about the starting rotation. And here's who I see in the opening day starting rotation. I think we can probably name four. I know that the, our buddy Brian Price has already went out and named it, but let's just ignore that. 
um, Luis Castillo, Homer Bailey, Anthony, Anthony DiSclafani. His name's not as much fun to say as Luis Alberto Bonilla, but it might be. No, but it's a lot more fun to watch a pitch. No, that's a fact. No, 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 no offense to Luis Alberto Bonilla, but DiSclafani's proven himself as a quality big league pitcher. How about I call him Antonio DiSclafani? Yep, that's I mean, his that's his new podcast name. Sorry, oh, I, I'll I'll leave that one up to you. I'm not doing it. <laughs> All right, Castillo, Bailey, Disclafani, and Brandon Finnegan. Are those your, are those four likely to be in the opening day rotation again? And I hate to say presuming health because this rotation has never had health. Presuming health are those the, are those four in if they're health all healthy? If you're going to believe Brian Price, yes, and I I have no reason not to believe him. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's go with those four. I think as an organization, those four are the guys. I mean, Castillo earned it last year. The other three are guys they were counting on, counting on last year that were sort of in the opening day, would have been in the opening day rotation if not for injuries. Finnegan did not pitch poorly when he was uh, healthy, so I, that's why I think he's probably still in that mix anyway, or why he has a little bit of an edge right now. If you're making the opening day roster right now, he's probably in it. Um, are all four of those guys going to be healthy? I <laughs> Your your guess is as good as mine. I've <laughs> we we've all seen how it's played out. I, I think that if nothing else, if if baseball gods are real, they they owe the Reds a <laughs> yeah. at least a mod of like just just a medium amount of good luck when it comes to pitching health. Tell me about it. But no, the so. answer, Doug, for future reference, the answer to are all these guys going to be healthy? The answer is yes, without question, because that's what I need to hear for my mental health. Um, now fifth starter. Let me see if I can name the guys that are, and again, this we're talking about the opening day ro- uh, roster, and the Reds probably won't go with a fifth starter on the opening day roster. They'll add an extra reliever until it's time to, with all the off days early, until it's time to bring one up. But let's let's name the guys that are in the wrote, in the running, I guess, for that fifth spot, and let's see if see if I've missed anyone. Sal Romano, Tyler Molly, Robert Stevenson, Amir Garrett, Cody Reed. And we're probably expanding that a little bit because I don't know how much Cody Reed. Well, I think he could work his way in there. Which of uh, those one, two, three, four, five that I just named? Romano, Molly, Stevenson, Garrett, Reed. Yes, five. Which of those five would you bank on being in the opening day starting five? I'd go 50-50 on Romano and Stevenson. I I, I don't think that Cody Reed has a chance. Um, given how he performed last season, uh, both in AAA and in the major leagues, yeah, I, I just can't see it. He, he's got to go out and prove himself over a longer period of time than four weeks in spring training against who knows who. Um, well, let me before we move on. I think let's not undersell Cody Reed because this time last year, I may need to go back and listen to the podcast. We may have talked about it. I don't think we would have said that Rookie Davis had a chance to make the starting five at the beginning of the year. No, we and, wouldn't have. And, and he worked well, his way I into mean, it. He in did, thanks to 17,000 injuries. And, okay. I mean, right, yes, if, if if that happens again, then sure, Cody Reed could work his way in there. Good but point. We're not going to have any injuries. so if, okay. If we're, if we're only picking from one spot if, with all of those players available, I just don't see him being in a real competition right now. So eliminate Cody Reed. Uh, let's go through these. Amir Garrett, what are his chances? Uh, maybe 10 or 20%. I, I think that, one, you, you, you have to wonder – What's he going to look like coming off of the hip injury? Mm-hmm. Now, I, I think that that did play a big role into how he performed last year. I agree. Uh, I mean, even even in April when he was having success, I mean, his his fastball velocity was way down from where it had been in the past. Um, and, you know, he, he's kind of mentioned that that was kind of around the time his hip started bothering him. So hopefully he's 100% healthy. He Last we had seen an update from Amir, it was about a month ago. Uh, he said he's about 85 to 90 percent, so he he should be ready to go by, um, you know, April when it rolls around. But I mean, until he kind of goes out there and we see what he's got, and then you couple that with what he did last year, and rightly or wrongly, his performance was not good last year because I mean, it may have been because of the hip, it may not have been. I'm sure it's probably a little bit of both. But when you compare what he did versus what Robert Stevenson and Sauermano did as starters last year, it, it's not really comparable. So I think that he would have to significantly outperform both of those guys in spring training. I think that's all fair. I think that you know if he pitches really well and he's completely healthy, I think that uh, there are, he's got enough fans within the organization that he'll get a fair shot at it. 
but um, but I think he's behind some other guys. I think you're right. Um, so I just I can't see I can't see him being in in the in the rotation. Now the guy that's more interesting to me, you said fifty fifty between, uh, and I actually agree with you. I think the two that you named are probably the prime suspects. Um, but the guy that I think I might go with, if it's me, and it's not me because Dick Williams has refused to hire me up to this point. But if it's me, I give a really long look to Tyler Molly. Because I know he doesn't maybe doesn't have the stuff that some of those other guys have, but uh, we keep saying it, you know, results at some point have to matter. And he's he's been good everywhere. Um, is Tyler Molly going to get a, a good hard look? I think he will. Um, you know, for years, Brian Price, he just continuously preaches strikes, throw strikes. We need guys to throw strikes. I mean, <laughs> the biggest strength that Tyler Malley has is throwing strikes. So, uh, I mean, he, um, to be, to be fair, he, he did struggle throwing strikes a little bit in, in the major leagues last year. Now we're talking 20 innings. That really doesn't mean a lot, but he had 11 walks in 20 innings. That's not really much of an improvement over what Stevenson did. It's not as good as what Romano did, but if we're going to look at that kind of thing in the minor leagues, he's outperformed both of them in terms of finding the strike zone. Um, I mean, I mean, even from a scouting perspective, I think that he projects better as far as control goes, than either one of those guys. Um, now, the one thing that I do wonder about is, you know, Robert Stevenson will be 25 this year. You know, I, you know, you do see guys that break out a little bit later, but I think that he's further along in the development path that they're going to want to kind of see what he's got. Um, Sal Romano, he's got more experience in the big leagues. He threw 80 plus innings last year. He was very well. successful. Or, well, not very successful. He was successful. He was right. an average big league pitcher last year in his first year. <laughs> That's um, that, that ain't nothing, as they say. Yeah, Doug. yeah. I mean, it, that does not happen for everybody. I mean, look at look at how long it took Homer Bailey to come around to become an average to above average pitcher. I mean, what, just four years. I mean, yeah. And, you know, I, and he was a superstar prospect. And, and oh. he, you're right, he was. He was one of the top five prospects in all of baseball, and it still took him all of that time. Right. Um, and so I, I think that. Malley fits the mold that Brian Price loves, but it's not always up to just Brian Price. You know, the the, exactly. the front office is going to get a say on it. And you know, Romano and Stevenson, they've they've shown more at the big league level. They both pitched very well in the second half. Now each guy had a little bit of things that they needed to work on, but I, I just think that that experience is it, going to get them a little bit of a longer leash in spring training, where it may not get a guy like Tyler Malley. You know, if he has if he has a bad outing. And the other guys are pitching well. I, I'm not sure that they're not just going to be like, okay, well, we'll send him to AAA, and if he's pitching well after a month, and somebody else is struggling, we'll make the swap then. I don't necessarily disagree with any of that, but I think I would probably say that between Sal Romano or, or as I call him, Salvatore Romano, um, between Sal Romano, Tyler, Mo- you got to really stop me, Doug. This is really getting ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Sal Romano, Tyler Molly, and Robert Stevenson. You say fifty-fifty between Romano and Stevenson. I can't really argue with that, but I—I I don't know. I, I sort of lean towards saying it's uh, you know maybe forty uh, percent Romano, forty percent Stevenson, twenty percent Molly. I think those are your three top candidates, um, or maybe you know even thirty-five, thirty-five, thirty. Um, I think Molly because he throws strikes, and because I mean he's you know he's a little, little older. I think he'll get a pretty good shot. I think probably Sal Romano has the inside track. Maybe I'd say 40% Romano, 30% uh, the other two. Um, because Romano was so good last year in his first extended uh, look at the big leagues. But then you look at Robert Stevenson, and here's the number one pick, and number one picks always get these uh, get more of a shot. And he did show, I don't think he was as good as Romano, but he did show some progress in the second half of last season. His numbers certainly look good. His peripheral numbers not as good, but, you know, for a rookie progress um i guess any of those three guys romano molly stevenson heck even garrett or reed if they you know have gotten it figured out as a fifth starter this year i'm fine with any of them um i, I if i had to guess though i'd give it to sal romano uh, if you have to name one name that you think is going to be the fifth start opening day i say sal romano who do you say if I'm saying that brian price is going to be picking i will also take sal romano okay well you know brian you know brian price is not picking completely let's say just okay okay if if people that are making the decisions for the reds are picking i'll say sal romano i think that he would he's he's the favorite yeah in my opinion based on how i feel the reds will react yeah i think that's exactly right um 
I think that's exactly right. Now, there are no other names in the mix, probably, for that opening day rotation. Are there? Can you think? Is there anyone I've missed? Uh, not really. I, I mean, you know, you've got a guy like Jackson Stevens, but I think that he's got yeah. he's a really long shot as well. Yeah, he'll start uh, in AAA beginning the year. Yeah, so. All right, relief. <sighs> the relief core. There's one guy, actually, that's in the relief uh, in, down in the bullpen that I would hope would get a re- realistic shot and would love to see as the fifth starter. And I don't think anyone thinks it's really going to happen, but that's Michael Lorenzen. I'll put Lorenzen uh, in the bullpen. I've got Roselli Glacius in the bullpen. Wandy Peralta. I think those three are holdovers from last year and, and guaranteed. You agree with all those? Absolutely. And three pretty good pitchers. I don't even promise any of those guys. You may. You probably have some problems with some of them. What's your problem with Rosella Glacius? Why don't you like him? Because they don't pitch him as much as they need to. Oh, that's a fact. Oh, I wish he were, he'd be the number two starter or number one starter this year if, if his mm. shoulder could handle it. I mean, what? Oh, gosh. Mm. Now you're you're literally making everyone listening sad right now, Chad. I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry on the podcast. Don't do it. Remember, (laughs) they can only hear you crying. They can't see it, so hide it well. I know, yes. I'll try. Um, So those three, I think, are probably guaranteed. Again, with pitchers especially, this is all – this is what we're saying right now, today. So we're presuming health. None of those guys have gotten injured yet. I think you probably – Jared used the Red Sign him for two years. So he's there. David Hernandez, yeah. Red signed him. Same, Those, same difference. Same yeah. deal. He's there. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they're they're going to be there. They've they've been signed to major league deals. So that's five. Um, you know, maybe two more. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it just depends on how the Reds want to play it. So, so I mean, do they do they want to do they want to have a short bench in a, a long bullpen, or do they feel that they've got enough to have a little bit longer bench in a shorter bullpen? They've gone with the bullpen, a, a, a bigger bullpen. You know, uh, in recent years, anyway. Um, so, what about uh, who's in the mix for uh, the other? Let's say there's two more spots, two and a half. Let's let's see if we can come up. We got here's the guys I can think of: Ariel Hernandez. What do you think about him? Is he going to make it? Uh, it depends if he throws strikes or not. I mean, that's that's always what it's going to come it's, down it's with fact. Hernandez. I mean, he he might have the best stuff of anybody on the entire roster, but if if he's going to walk as many guys as he pitches innings, it's tough to really rely on a guy like that. And you can say that about any of these guys if he throws strikes. But this is one guy that if he throws strikes, he's unhittable. I mean, he's yeah. elite. He's an elite reliever if he can throw strikes, and he just can't always. Um, Austin Bryce? <sighs> no, I, I, I'm not sure about Bryce. I if, if he has options, I'd say he's on the outside looking in. But I, I, I'll be honest, I don't know if he's out of options or not right now. i tell you the guy that I think is probably in the bullpen on opening day, Cody Reed. I, I'm going to disagree on that one. Let's hear it. I, I just think that he needs to show more than he can possibly show in spring training. I mean, unless he literally just goes out and just is absolutely unhittable and pounds the strike zone all spring training. I think they're just going to want to see him do it over a longer period of time, given his his struggles last year. So you think that? Well, let me ask you to clarify a little bit here. You think the Reds are going to want to see him in a starter's role in AAA more than a bullpen role in the big leagues, or just neither role in the big leagues until he proves he can pound I, the strike zone? I, I, yeah, I, I think that no matter what role they want to put him in, it's going to it's going to be in Louisville unless he just goes out and has the best spring training ever. I think that with the struggles that he's had over the past year, um, you know, and, and it's not like they don't have other options in the, in the rotation and bullpen either. So I, I just I just don't think that it's one of those situations where they're going to let a good spring training override, you know, an entire season's worth of previous work. I mean, they, they've done it in the past, and sometimes it's worked and sometimes it hasn't, but... Uh, you know, usually that happens when you don't have other options, and I just feel they've got other options to look at right now. If he's in AAA, though, he's he's probably starting in AAA, don't you think? I mean, he's just he'll turn he's still twenty four. He'll turn twenty five this year, I think. I mean, it's possible, but let's 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 be let's be realistic about this rotation. If everybody's healthy, how far down the depth chart is Cody Reed in the rotation? He's he's far down the depth chart, but he's got all that talent. I, 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 unless you're one hundred percent sure that he cannot be a starter. I don't shuffle him off to the bullpen until I'm convinced that he can't be because he's got so much talent. And they may be convinced. I don't know what's going on inside uh, the front office. 
they may be convinced in the baseball ops department of the Reds that he cannot be a starter. If so, put him in the bullpen immediately and let's work on him. Um, but I think if they are convinced, even if he's far down the depth chart, because he's so talented, he could move his way up that depth chart, I guess, in short order, if he goes back to being the Cody Reed we saw a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just not sure I entirely agree with it either. You better not say that I'm wrong. <laughs> Nobody ever tells me that I'm wrong. Oh, well, I've got some bad news for you, Chad. <laughs> oh, you better watch I, it. I, I, I've, I've seen people tweet at you. I've seen <laughs> people tweet at you. Point taken. Including Phil, our buddy Phil, who would never <laughs> say that I'm wrong. Um, you think by mentioning him here he's going to get off our backs about not mentioning him? No, I'm I'm no. I'm convinced that I'm going to get a direct message later about how I didn't mention him enough or something. It's so. only going to embolden him. Now, who am I missing in terms of the, the guys that are in the mix? I mean, I guess really just about anybody's in the mix for the bullpen. The guy I think, I hope, makes it. The Reds signed him to a minor league deal this year, and I think he's got a pretty good chance to make it, actually, is uh, Kyle Crockett, uh, who's been with the Indians. The Reds signed him, uh, originally signed him, and then released him and signed him to a minor league deal. Um, Kyle Crockett, left-hander, is he going to make it? I think he's got a chance. I mean, he he's a guy who, you know, he's been very, very successful in the minor leagues. Now, he struggled as a major leaguer. Granted, we're talking small sample size, but he has struggled as a major leaguer. He's had some success, but, but overall he struggled. But, I mean, he's a lefty who, I mean, the Reds don't have too many lefty options in the bullpen, do they? Peralta, that's about it, isn't it? Cody Reed? Yeah. Yeah, Peralta and Cody Reed. So there, there's a spot there for the taking if, if he performs well in spring training. So I... I, I don't want to say he's a lock, but I, I do like his chances given the fact that he can he can kind of fill that that other left-handed role because I, I think that you know I mean maybe with the signing of Hernandez and Hughes Peralta kind of moves out of that seventh inning role on an automatic basis and they can play it by matchups. Um, but if if Peralta's going to be the best Peralta he is, <laughs> I'd pitch him in the seventh inning over sure. either one of those guys. Sure. So may, maybe you know depending on how Peralta looks, they'll want that matchup left-handed pitcher, and that could be Kyle Crockett. I know Crockett is a uh, he's non roster invited to, to camp on a minor league deal. I think he gets a real chance to make it. Um, but what you know, you look at you say he struggled a little bit in the majors, uh, which he has. Um, he's done very well in the minors, which is true. But what's the most important thing on uh, Kyle Crockett's resume that makes you think that he might have a chance of making this roster? What's the most imp- impressive thing about Kyle Crockett? You, what is it, Doug? Do you know? I realistically, I think the the best aspect for him as as far as a Potential pitcher is that he pitched for who? I see, you're... Doug. You know me. Where did where, where did he go to school? He went to the University of Virginia, the oh, Cavaliers. Yeah. Oh, and and where, where did the Cincinnati Reds general manager? Oh, that's go? right. I forgot about that. Dick Williams, the Reds general manager. He also went to the University of Virginia at the same time I was there. They just they just crank out all of these awesome baseball people, don't they? <laughs> well, it really. All joking aside, it is a great program right yes, now. Yes, yes, it is. Um, but uh, I really think that Dick Williams, um, and I know you're listening, uh, but I'm just, uh, Dick, I appreciate it. Thank you for doing everything you can to make me happy with the Reds by just continuing <laughs> to sign Virginia Cavaliers. Because really, that's all it takes. Sign these Virginia guys, I'll be happy. I'll st- I won't criticize you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I mean I think Gosselin. We can talk about who was a great player in college, but but Crockett's a legit guy. I mean, I think he's he's legitimately in the mix. Um, who anybody else? Who who are we who are we, are we missing? It could be anybody. You never can tell. They could sign somewhat. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you the guy I think you're sleeping on. Let me hear Kevin it. Shackelford. I think that's a great point, Shack. Like I, I I I really liked what I saw from him this year when he was in the minor leagues, and when he came up to the major leagues initially, he had a, he had some struggles. He had a little bit of a problem adjusting, but once he made that adjustment, yeah, my goodness, he was really good. He's older he wasn't though. Just good. He was really good. He was. But I, with relief pitchers, I, I never really worry too much about their age. I mean, it's just sometimes things just click for relievers. I mean, also, I'm looking at the stats right now. Over the last 15 games that he pitched, he gave up two earned runs in 15 innings with four walks and 19 strikeouts. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be that good, but I, I think that he's got legitimate, like, seventh, eighth inning bullpen stuff. Um, he throws hard. He's got a good breaking ball. He throws strikes. I I, I think that I don't want to say he's a lock, but of anybody who's not a lock, I think he's the closest to being a lock on on the entire roster. Yeah, no, I think that's I, I 
completely skipped over him. And it wasn't because I don't think he's good enough. I certainly with the relievers, you don't expect any reliever to be around more than a couple of years anyway. So, I mean, age is not really that big a deal. But that's a guy, yeah, that's, that's, uh, I think we'll get a legit chance anyway to make the big leagues. Yeah. And I was impressed with him. Now, uh, if we're going to, if we're going to, if we're going to talk about other guys, uh, not on the 40 man roster right yeah. now, Who but else you got? Jimmy, Jimmy Herget. Jimmy Herget, uh, yeah. He, he's, he's arguably the top relief prospect in the entire organization. Uh, he's, he's got a big arm. He's got a good arm. He's got a good arm, and he's got. I mean, he's kind of like Rysel Iglesias in the sense that he can change arm angles and give you different looks with different pitches. Um, and I mean, he's he's not quite as good as Rysel Iglesias is because you know, that's what ten other guys in the entire world. Right. But um, you know, he's got good stuff. He's got time in AAA where he had he had some success. I, I think there were some things that he showed in AAA that he may need to work on in the off season. Hopefully, he's he's corrected that a little bit, but. You know the numbers have always been outstanding for Jimmy Herget, and I, I I think that he's another guy who could get a real legitimate look. He's um, the type of guy that. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say he's Are, the type of guy that, you know, you don't. We always say don't making decisions based on spring training numbers, but he's a guy that if he could he could come out in spring training and really look you know good, put up some good numbers, and they could say all right, it's time because I mean they expect him to be there at some point in the bullpen. They may say all right, now let's give him a shot. He's got the yeah, pedigree. I mean, he does, and that's that's the other thing is it's not like it would just be somebody you weren't expecting to have a good spring spring to have a good spring. I, I think that generally speaking, the Reds expect big things out of him. Yeah, and he he's shown nothing to the contrary the entire way up through the farm system. Um. Yeah. No. I, I think I, I think that's exactly right. Anyone else that you can think of? Uh, I, I completely uh, whiffed on Herget because uh, I think you're right. I think. I mean, even if he's not on the opening day roster, he's a guy that I fully expect to see on in the big league bullpen at some point in 2018. Who else you got? I mean, if we're if we're gonna go deep dive, I, I wouldn't sleep on a guy like Zach Weiss. Um, I, I wouldn't sleep on a guy like Kieri Maya. Uh, they they've used yeah. him as a starting pitcher, but you, I, you just don't know. But here's the guy that I want everybody to really pay attention for in spring training. Pay attention, everyone. Listen, get your pencils okay. out. <laughs> All right, he's on the forty man roster, and he's been used as a starting pitcher the last couple years. But everybody I've talked to and everything I've seen says he's a reliever. Jesus Reyes. He's a guy he can throw 98 miles per hour. He generally sits 93 to 95 as a starter. He'll throw harder than that as a reliever. And he's an enormous ground ball pitcher. Uh, he had success last year in double A. If we're going to go long shot that comes out of nowhere, quote unquote, he's the guy. And it, it wouldn't shock me, although I, I, don't, I don't think it's likely, but it wouldn't shock me if he went out and had a really big spring training and they just said, you know what? He's in the bullpen because he's got the stuff. Yeah, you know he's had success. He doesn't have that AAA experience, but I, I I think that all the pieces that are there that if he has a good spring, he's the kind of guy where they just say, you know what, you we, we kind of saw you as a bullpen guy in the you know in the long run anyways. You're ready now. Let's do it. Yeah, it's, it, again, it's a situation kind of like with Herget where this is a guy that we we know what he can do. We've been watching him. Uh, but maybe the time is now. So, yeah, I could see that. Uh, before we get off the, the opening day rush, I think we pretty well covered it. And that's, uh, um, you know, there are a lot of options to choose from. But it's, you know, there aren't that many spots that are really open going into absent trades or, or, or other signings. And there's some other guys still out there. Um, but the two new guys at the Red Sign, we sort of glossed over um, David Hernandez and Jared Hughes. Those guys are going to make the roster. But they're both, you know... Well, let me just start by saying I don't have any problem with signing either of these guys. You know, I don't have any problem with either of them being in the bullpen. But they're both going to be, I think, thirty-three this year. Um, do you have any thoughts about those two? I mean, they're sort of run-of-the-mill relievers who should be fine. Um, is the way I look at it. Uh, use especially throws a lot of ground balls. Uh, should be good at Great American Ballpark. Uh, you know, not a ton of money. Any problems? Any issues? Anything? Any thoughts about those two signings? <laughs> Not really. I mean, especially for the money, I think they're both yeah. outstanding deals. Um, but I also don't think that they're guys that I would generally be thinking, okay, these are eighth, ninth inning guys either. So they're they're not quote unquote sexy signings, but they 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 both provide plenty of depth that the bullpen has kind of been lacking for quite a while now. So they're gonna no problems. The, no, yeah, no problems at all with the signings in my in my book. They'll get the Blake Wood innings, and they're both better than Blake Wood. I guess that's the way I look at it. So I don't have a problem with uh, that. Yeah. Uh, I guess we talk about the Reds not going out and improving their team. I think, in a small way, both those signings improve the team. I, you know, they're not the big high-profile signings I wanted to see, but you know, whatever they they improve the team. 
Um, now we've we've just spent way more time on that than I expected, Doug, because uh, I just love talking about the Cincinnati Reds. It's fun, isn't it? <laughs> sometimes, actually, it's always fun to talk about them. It's uh, sometimes depressing to watch them. <laughs> um, let's shift over to the prospects, uh, the minor league side of it, which is where your expertise lies. Um, two big prospects in the uh, organization. We'll try to run through this as quickly as we can. I want to know what, where do you see? We'll start with Nick Senzel, who I promised. Uh, hi, Mrs. Senzel. I promised that we talk about him. He and, and Hunter Green, who you want them. You know, poke some fun at me about. But we'll start with Nick Senzel. Where does he start? How quick? I mean, this, that's an easy question a- answer to that question. Everybody knows that answer. But how soon is he in the big leagues? Uh, well, I, he's going to start in Louisville. I, I think everybody knows that. I, I think the that's, bigger question that's AAA, is AAA, Doug. I don't know how much you know about the Reds minor leagues. That's AAA Louisville. That that is AAA Louisville. Yes. That's where the that's where the bats play. Oh, uh, the bats. Yes. The river but, bats. Yeah. Not anymore. Ah, uh, just checking to make sure you were an expert on Reds minor leagues. <laughs> but uh, I'm just I'm just not sure that the biggest question isn't like what position will Nick Senzel be playing. Mm. That's that realistically that's the biggest or the most intriguing story of the entire spring training for me. Um, I, I feel the Reds have so much just built into what Nick Senzel can be, and a lot of what the rebuild focuses on is kind of built around him offensively. You know, if if he can be the guy that we think he can be, you you add him into that lineup, it it really changes the entire outlook. So finding a way to get him in there is going to be very important. Where's that going to be? I I think that's the big question, Chad. If you know, he's they, com- if he's competent at second base, he I mean, that's the, that's the answer. What's the soonest? Let's because I assume that's where he's going to start. What's the soonest we see him though? I realistically, if we're going to talk the soonest, which June means one. I was going to say late May. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, of course, assuming there are no injuries that open anything up for him before then. Um, and I mean, those things do happen sometimes. You don't ever want to see somebody get injured, but it does happen. It, it, it does happen. And if that were to if that were to be the case, I, I don't think they'd bring him up before his 10 days were up to start the year because, you know, you keep him down for 10 days, you get him for an entire extra season uh, at the end of his contract. So they're not going to do that. But any time after that, an injury could open up something for him. But I think that if it's going to be based solely on his performance and the performance of others, you know, yeah, that that June first timeline makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and I'm, that also depends on you know, does he transition well to the position that they're looking at? Yeah. Now he he, he he played second base in college um, for the first two years, so it's not like he's learning a new position. And plenty of scouts believe that he could play second, so. You know, everything's there for that, but I guess until you kind of see it on a day-to-day basis, you're not entirely sure it's going to work. I think that if the Reds had a op- had an opening at third base, you know, if, if Suarez wasn't there, if they had just some placeholder there, I think that probably we see him the very day that you know the Reds can guarantee that extra year. Right, whatever, whatever day that falls on the second week of April, that's when we see him. I, I think so. If if the Reds, ha- I mean, if he could stay at third base, and we already know he can play third base uh, very very well, I think that he's there. The way things are, I think that uh, you know, Scooter Jeanette's popular, uh, you know, anyway. So there's not going to be a huge rush in 2018 to move him off second base. So I think they're going to take their time and just make sure that he can really handle it. If he can handle it immediately, they'll get him up earlier. If he needs a little more time to work on second base, uh, they'll leave him there a little longer. I think June first is a pretty good target date, and and I'm okay with that. I don't, yeah, I don't really have any issues. But I cannot wait to watch Nixon Zell play in uh, in the big leagues. The other guy, I want to know where he's going to start, where he's going to finish the year. I presume he's going to finish the year in the World Series with the Reds. But let's say uh, <laughs> right-handed pitcher, last year's number one pick, number two overall, Hunter Green. I love Hunter Green. Where's he going to be, Doug? Uh, I, I think that we're going to see him in Dayton to start the year. Or, well, let me rephrase it, to start his season. I don't know if we're going to see him to start the year, though. Uh, yeah. One, he's only 18 years old right now. And he'll be 18 until the last like two weeks of the season, I think. So he's already going to be way younger than pretty much any other pitcher that's going to be in that league. The Reds have not historically put 18-year-olds in that league. Now, Hunter Green's obviously a little bit different than most other 18-year-olds. <laughs> a little bit. Um, but the reason that they don't put guys in that league is it's a full-season league. You're expected to be able to throw 120 innings as yeah. a starting pitcher in that league. And guys that age, they, they just don't let them do that anymore. 
They're trying to protect these guys from getting hurt. And so I think that you, one, have to look at how many innings you are going to let him throw. I don't think they're going to let him throw more than 100 innings this year. So if you keep him, down for, keep him down for a month, you know, maybe four or five weeks, then you can bring him up and you don't have to shut him down at any point during the season. And you can keep him going all year. Now, maybe you'll cut back on his innings, um, you know, here or there. You know, hey, you're only pitching three innings today. You'll go back to five the next time out, whatever. But you can keep him pitching all year. You don't have to shut him down at any point or skip starts, get him out of that routine. The other thing is, Dayton plays in the Midwest League. And not that Dayton doesn't get cold. I've been in games in Dayton and April, and it's been snowing. But it gets really cold in some of those those road trips in Dayton. And while I don't want to say that he's Hunter Green's more important than some of these other guys. He is more important. <laughs> I mean, he is. I don't, I don't want to not say it either. Right, exactly. And so the, the Reds are going to be a little bit more careful with him than, say, you know, the 27th rounder, you know, that they took two years ago. Like, it, that, that's just the reality of the situation. So keeping him out of the cold weather and limiting that injury risk because of that, along with the innings thing, I, I think that it's probably likely we don't see him in Dayton until sometime in May. Well, let me propose a uh, another option for you, and let me and just let me know what you think. And I'm just gonna have to go ahead and say we've gone a little bit longer uh, as usual, so we're gonna have to bump the discussion until next time of the prospect lists. And I'm gonna talk about your prospect rankings along with some of these other ones. We'll do that next time you're on the podcast as soon as possible, I hope. But what about this? Could the Reds keep him in Arizona, or is there any chance at all the Reds keep him in Arizona until? Uh, rookie league starts and then put him back in rookie league uh, beginning in june i guess it is and maybe in greenville tennessee the new rookie affiliate in the appalachian league any chance at all they do that i mean there's a chance but i, I really don't think it's likely, Not likely. Uh, okay. I, I i'd say there's like a 95 percent chance he'll wind up in dayton to start his season i'm hoping he's in greenville i want to go see him because i'm a little closer to greenville than i am today i was gonna say so. chad I, they, they do have flights to dayton and you don't have to cross you know an ocean so you can drive your car to dayton as well i don't have to fly to dayton it's close enough to drive but uh, and i've been there many but times i love fly. dayton but i could it's true i could um i, don't know, I was hoping to see him in greenville and uh i don't know you know it's gonna be interesting to watch what no, okay i guess the other question is where's he end up does he end up in dayton i think probably right they're not gonna they're gonna push him yeah Pitch, pitch a you know hundred no. innings or so in uh, in low A, and then see where we are. Yeah, it's I mean one with with his age. I mean especially being just eighteen, you know that's you, you don't see guys get promoted to advanced A. It, it, it I mean very 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 rarely do you see that, and it's almost always the international kids that have years of professional experience under their belt at that age. Um, so I, the Reds have been very cautious in promoting pitchers in their first full season sure. above Dayton. I mean, I, I, I just, I, it's not going to happen. I mean, unless it's just painfully obvious, like let's say he's 20 starts in, 15 starts in, and he's got an ERA under two, he's walked 12 guys, and he's got 140 strikeouts. Unless it's something like that, I, I just can't see them promoting him to, to Daytona. Okay. I think that's all reasonable. Let me, uh, one last uh, on the on the prospects because this is a guy that's fascinating to everybody. Tyler Stevenson, catcher, had some injury problems as well. Um, where does he start? Where does he end up? I'm throwing you on the spot here. I didn't warn you about this one. Well, that's fine. That, this is my job, Chad. So I know. I know. That's why I'm it, comfortable it, it, throwing it at yeah. you. I, I really like what I saw from Tyler Stevenson last year. You know, you, you mentioned he's had some injury problems, and you know they, they cropped up again last year, and it turns out they weren't as bad as the Reds initially thought, and that's good, but it still did cost them time that he realistically could have been could have been spent playing. Um, but, you know, I really like the bat. I, I think there's some improvements that he needs to make at the plate and, and behind the plate, but for a catcher of his age right now, he, he's, he's right where you want to see everything. Um, I, I think he's going to start the year in Daytona, and, you know, just depends on how he plays. Yeah. The Florida State League and where Daytona plays, it, it's a tough place to hit, um, but Daytona's got one of the more hitter-friendly parks in the league. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that works out for him. I, I think that it's probably more likely that he'll spend the whole year in Daytona just because of the time, the amount of time that he's missed over the past two years. Um, you know, there, there's not a real big need to rush him right now. Um, you, you've got a chance you can take time because of what you do have in the major leagues with Tucker Barnhart holding the thing, holding things down right now. Um, but what I saw from him last year, tell me if you agree or disagree with this, is that despite all the injuries and the frustrations of his first couple of years uh, as a professional, 
He's still a big-time prospect. He's shown me enough to believe that he's still a big-time prospect. There's a chance he's really going to pan out. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that he's probably one of the 15 best catching prospects in baseball right now, and that's while factoring in the, that he's yeah. lost a lot of developmental sure. time because he's been hurt. Still young, though. Still young. Yeah, yeah. He'll be he'll be 21 years old this year. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, you, everybody needs to remember catchers develop later than mm-hmm. everybody else. They just do because of all the things they've got to put into. You know, they're they're not just offensive first guys, and that's not to say that other other positions aren't you know defensive important. But, but catchers different. There's a there, there's a lot more on a catcher. Yeah. yeah, you you've got to deal with every single pitcher on your roster, which especially in the minor leagues, that might be, you know, 30 different guys. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, uh, that's enough about the Reds for, for one week. Now, I, I forgot to remind you because we did this in last season's, uh, the 2017 season. Every time you were on the podcast, we did a film review. So I'm going to do my film review. And if you want to try to come up with one, because uh, I didn't warn you, uh, while <laughs> I'm talking about mine, I'll allow you to do that. Um, right. So, you know, the Oscar season is upon us. And... Um, I, I'm a sucker for the Oscars because I love the movies, even though I don't rarely agree with the decisions made by the, the Academy. But uh, so, I, you know, I've watched a bunch of the ones that are nominated for Best Picture. Here recently, since our last the last time Doug was on the podcast, I saw The Shape of Water, which is good. Guillermo, de, Guillermo, Guillermo, del Toro, Guillermo del Toro. Great director. It's visually uh, beautiful. Four stars out of five. Though. I don't see it as a Best Picture. Um what else did I see that was uh, has been nominated? Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. You know, I liked it when I saw it initially, and then when I thought about it more later, that's usually a, a sign of a good movie that you, you keep thinking about. The more I thought about it, the more I thought, oh, that wouldn't have happened, and that's a hole in the plot. And three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Maybe if I'm generous, three and a half stars out of five. But the movie I saw in 2017, best the by far the best movie that I saw in 2017 is my little uh, mini-review today. I don't know if it'll win or not, and I'm not the first person to praise this movie. It's been everybody's been praising it, but Lady Bird, Lady, be nice if I could talk. Lady Bird, <laughs> written and directed by Greta Gerwig, just absolutely it deserves every bit of praise that it's gotten. Uh, if you don't know about Lady Bird, it stars uh, Shursa Ronan, who was in uh, one of my favorite movies ever, The Grand Budapest Hotel, um, along with a lot of other things. Brooklyn, she was great in that. That's my favorite one, but I'll let you go. Brooklyn, yeah, that's a great movie. Um, she's Ronan's great. She's fantastic in this. She plays a, a California high school student who's sort of, you know, desperate to escape uh, her uh, quote unquote small town, which is Sacramento, California, uh, but can't wait to get away, go to college, wants to go to New York. And it's just about her, you know, getting ready to sort of fly the nest and uh, the, the disputes that she has with her mother, who's played uh, brilliantly by Laurie Metcalf, who has had a sort of a career resurgence in the last couple of years. Um, She's fantastic, but it's a, I mean, it's really just, it is entertaining, it's uh, it's poignant, it, uh, you know, almost brings a tear to the eye at times, and and Ronan is just perfect. I mean, she's absolutely perfect. That's the best movie I saw in 2017. I hope it comes away with Best Picture at the Oscar Lady Bird, and again, as I said, written and directed by Greta Gerwig, who I love in everything she's in, and she wasn't even in this one, but for her first uh, directorial feature, oh my goodness, I mean, she was great in... Uh, Frances Ha, she's been great in the Greenberg, Mistress America. She was in that movie where uh, uh, Queen Padme played uh, Jackie Onassis Kennedy, or Jackie Kennedy Onassis, or whatever. Jackie was the name of the movie. But as a director, she's fantastic, and as a writer, she's fantastic. So, Lady Bird, I know that's a you know I'm recommending it, and everyone else has recommended it, but I, it's it's worth watching absolutely. Doug, you got a, a movie for us to to talk about? I do, and I'm going to go in the complete opposite direction. You you went, you know, nice and heavy, and I'm going to go lighthearted and fun. Yeah. Uh, it's a brand-new Netflix movie called When We First Met. It stars Adam Devine, who he's been in Workaholics, Pitch Perfect movies. Um, just He's hilarious. I love him. But basically, it's kind of a Groundhog's Day type of movie where he relives the day that he met this girl. It's the love of his life, that the one that got away, and he goes back and he tries to fix it, make everything perfect so she doesn't get away over and over and over. And uh, call me a sucker if you want. I love sappy love stories, and I I, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm not going to lie. The, the reviews have not been good, but, you know, I, they're all wrong. It's awesome. <laughs> you should go watch it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, don't get me started on reviews. I don't believe them. Uh 
most of the time anyway. So that's one that I actually have on my list that I think looks really good. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, there you go. Two movies recommended by uh, Siskel and Ebert at the movies or Chad and Doug at the movies. Hey, that's our next podcast. Chad I'm and in. Doug at the movies. Let's say, do it. Say no more. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Doug, anything else on the reg you, you want to say? No, I think I think we covered quite a bit for today. No, I think we did, and it was fun, and uh, as always, it's a good time. You can follow us uh, on Twitter, at DougDirt24, at DotsonC, if you want to. Uh, obviously, we're at Red Leg Nation uh, on Twitter, and you can find us at RedLegNation.com every single day, where we've been following the Reds uh, day-to-day, writing about them, obsessing about them. Um, it's really kind of kind of sad, but every, every single day since... Uh, 2005. So this is basically, actually, we're getting ready to hit our 13th anniversary. So that's pretty, uh, that's pretty crazy. You can uh, subscribe to the Red Leg Nation Radio podcast, and I hope you will. iTunes, Stitcher Radio, anywhere you get a podcast, you'll find us. We're there. Um, as I always, d- say please leave us a rating and review if it's a good rating and review. But leave us a leave us a review, and um, it helps people find us. It really does help people find us. And I'm just so appreciative of all the kind things that uh, so many of you have said. Uh, especially at iTunes in the reviews. So uh, appreciate that. And if you've not left us a review yet, go do it. And if you like us, talk about us. Tell your friends. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Uh, Doug, as always, appreciate you joining me, buddy. Thanks for having me. It's always a good time. It is. For Doug Gray, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger. Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.